How you doing? Uh, my name's Esther. I'm one of the key leaders here. Um, it's good uh, to see you all this morning. Um, so today, uh, we are in uh, week two of our Sunday morning teaching series called Rejoice. Really? I don't know if I'm putting the right tone on that, but that, that, that's my version of it. Um, and in it, we're going through a letter written by Paul to Jesus' followers in a Greek city called Philippi. And we can find that in the Bible, in the book, helpfully called Philippians. Um, I don't know if you were around last week, um, but Derek talked about joy and being thankful. And I really liked how he described our journey towards this attitude and approach to life as being like a slow walk. It's not a switch that we simply flick on when we need a bit of joy in our lives. Um, if you missed last week, I really encourage you to have a watch, have a listen online. Uh, so today, our title is Paul's Mission, Our Mission? Question mark. Um, and we are going to be looking um, at Philippians chapter 1 from verse 12. Um, but before we do that, um, some honesty from me. Um, I don't find Paul easy to get along with. For a start, to me it seems like he uses about 50 words when 10 would do the job. And maybe that's harsh, but, but more seriously, um, some of the stuff that Paul says is painful for me. Or maybe more accurately, how other people use Paul's words is painful for me and for people I really care about. And that, that is a real thing. And so before even getting to our verses, I've had to do uh, a bit of reading, a bit of thinking, a bit of soul searching and wrestling with our Paul. Um, and I just want to share two things that I've um, found really helpful in that, and they might be for you too. So uh, the first thing that I found helpful is we are reading someone else's post. Like There are a lot of actual real-life letters in the New Testament part of the Bible, written by Paul and others. And these letters were written by specific people to specific people, for a specific reason, at a specific time. Not specifically to us as Jesus followers in Bristol, hundreds and hundreds of years into the future. Now don't get me wrong, don't panic. I'm not saying these letters are therefore irrelevant for us today. Not by a long shot. They're in the Bible for a reason, right? And I love that the Bible is God's word. It's alive. It's powerful. And God speaks to us so creatively and deeply through it in so many ways. Like, I believe with everything that I have that every single word of the Bible, in the Bible, 100%, no exceptions, is living and active today. We do really need to hold God's word carefully and wisely, though, don't we? And we can ask questions of it. We can wrestle with it. Like, God is okay with that. And I think he likes it, to be honest. So, we're reading someone else's post. The second thing that I found helpful. Paul was obsessed 
with sharing Jesus. Um, This is a quote from Rachel Held Evans, and she says this, The Apostle Paul was a smart, worldly, and broad-minded Jew who had been utterly transformed by what he saw as his singular mission in life, to preach the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles and welcome welcome them into Israel's story. This message of good news for all people of all nations became Paul's obsession. Every letter he wrote was in service to an inclusive, grace-filled gospel that he believed was good news for everyone, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, man and woman alike. Now this is my kind of guy. Paul's life was turned upside down and inside out by a crazy encounter with Jesus. He then became this totally all-in, sold-out kind of guy who basically refused to shut up about Jesus. And Paul passionately believed that this was to be shared, that Jesus was to be shared all of the time to all of the people. As I said, my kind of guy. So now... When I think about Paul, I'm hit by his radical, Jesus-obsessed way of life and his genuine love and care for people who are working out this whole following Jesus thing for the first time. Like sometimes we read his stuff and yeah, he can be a little bit intimidating, but I don't know, I'd like to be a bit more like Paul, I think. You know, when you say something out loud. (laughs) Um, So um, let's read our part of Paul's letter for today. And worth remembering, this is a part of a bigger letter. Um, But it's Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 12 to 30. Um, It's quite long, um, so if you've got a Bible, grab one uh, to follow along. There are Bibles at the back. Um, The words are also going to be behind me on the wall too. So... Uh, This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 30. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? 
I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to you and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now, I, and now hear that I still have. God, I feel like I need to take a deep breath after those long sentences. <laughs> um, so here is where we're going this morning. Three things from this chunk of Paul's letter. The first thing, um, we're going to have a look at same team, same goal. The second thing, uh, success. And the third thing, we're going to get practical and have a think about our mission. So, first thing, same team, same goal. Paul wasn't a lone ranger. Like, Paul didn't see following Jesus and sharing Jesus as an individual, personal, just-for-me life choice. And the theme of partnership and working together runs through Paul's whole letter, which... When you think about it, it shouldn't be a surprise, because like we said earlier, this letter is written by a specific person, Paul, to specific people, the Jesus followers at Philippi. So this letter, by its very nature, like relationship is at at its core. And uh, this letter, like others in the Bible, uh, these were read aloud multiple times, like the Jesus' followers in Philippi would have, yeah, heard this, read to them. They chewed it over. They carefully digested and discussed, debated even, all as part of a community. And these letters were then passed around and shared widely with other communities. Like this wasn't a private skim read to pick out the highlights, then shove it in a drawer to get dusty kind of situation. Like the partnership between Paul and the Philippians was real. There was a mutual respect and need for each other and a genuine desire to be doing life together. Uh, If we jump back to verse 4 in chapter 1, Paul says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And in verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And I imagine when the Jesus followers at Philippi heard this read out to them, I think they gave a massive cheer. I think they celebrated hard. Because this stuff that Paul's sharing, this isn't just Paul's mission, it's our mission. 
Like Paul, yeah, he's the one chained up and sharing Jesus. But the believers at Philippi, they're so invested in their working together that they celebrate it like it's happening to them in that moment. Like same team, same goal. It's one of those things that um, maybe seems like it's a given. Like, have a look around at Ebby Church here. Have a think of the church. Like, of course we're the same team. Of course we have the same goal. Well, most of the time. Or, you know, maybe some of the time. Actually, let's be honest. We could do this a lot better, couldn't we? Same team, same goal. And we're going to look at some practical stuff around this in a bit. Um, But before we get there, um, we're just going to have a little bit of a think about success. So same team, same goal. Second point is success. Or success, question mark. Um, Our culture loves to constantly try to define and measure success. And as a church, we're certainly not immune to that. But it's tricky, isn't it? Because we want to uh, share and celebrate the good stuff that happens in tangible kind of ways. We want to encourage each other. But how often do we base our measure of success on, say, numbers? We go, ah, 50 people came to that thing. Ah, that's so great, isn't it? Ah, But say it quietly, only three people came to that other thing. Um, What about when we measure success as flashing lights, smoke machines, thousands of people and multiple book deals? We know that Jesus modelled a way of life that saw every single person as important and with a value impossible to measure. And that stuff, and when I use this word stuff now, I mean actual stuff, it's just not important. But my question is, do we live like that? When people look at the church, do they see that? And this is the message paraphrase of verses 12 to 14 from uh, Philippians. So Paul says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the the message has actually prospered. All All the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. And that piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, But most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. Like, what's happening here? This is totally bonkers. This is totally out of the box, an unexpected series of events, to say the least. Like, a surprising example for Paul and Philippi of the upside-down, back-to-front definition of success in God's kingdom here on earth. We know that with Jesus, anything is possible. And we know that Jesus has weird and sometimes wonderful ways of doing things with situations and people, and that includes us, that 
would never even have crossed our tiny human minds. Remember, Jesus is not easily squelched. And in verse 15 to 17, Paul talks about envy, rivalry, selfish ambition, motivating some people to talk about Jesus. And you might think Paul has every right to get a bit het up about people trying to capitalize on his jail time. But instead, he says, this is one of my favorite bits, well, what does it matter? Because to my friends in Philippi and in Bristol, it's not all about me. It's not all about you. Like it's, it's not all on me and it's not all on you. It's all about Jesus. It's all on Jesus. And whether that looks like how you think it should or not, chains and chances sometimes included, the most important thing is that everyone gets an opportunity to be introduced to Jesus. Like the most important thing is that everyone gets an opportunity to be introduced to Jesus. So let's not limit or get in the way of that. It's a good challenge for us to have a think on. And so the third thing, um, getting practical, our mission. So we're going to think about this for us now. So our mission, what could sharing Jesus look like for us? How do we actually do this and do it together? So uh, three things from our verses, sharing honestly, celebrating the good stuff, and spirit-filled praying. Simple, right? Okay, I'll sit down now. (laughs) Um, So we've already picked out the doing it together way of following Jesus that we see in Paul's letter. And the fact that this doesn't always look like what we might expect or want even. So if we're really doing this together, if this is our mission, we need to talk and we need to be honest. Paul could have filtered out the, I'm in prison, guys. Uh, Other people are stealing my thunder. And uh, also, I'm thinking that dying might be a great option for me right now. Like, he could have left that out of his letter, but he didn't. And I don't know about you, but for me, I'm not interested in the filtered, palatable version of the reality of trying to follow Jesus. I don't want to hear your stuff when the story is finished and has a nice, neat, happy ending. Like, I want to be us to be as a church family who can honestly share our struggles, to share the bumbling along when it feels like not much is going on, and of course, the good stuff. And none of that is particularly easy to do, but I think that it's an important step to making this mission, this following and sharing Jesus, actually ours. So we need to share honestly, and we need to celebrate the good stuff. And sometimes we're not as brilliant at this as we could be, because We're a bit awkward, aren't we? And we overthink, we question our motives, we kind of go into a panic of, oh, 
what if I say this out loud and then it all goes wrong and everyone's celebrated something and I'm going to have to go, well, actually, you know, maybe that's just me. (laughs) Um, But I think we're probably going to have to push through the awkwardness because celebrating, being thankful, rejoicing, whatever we want to call it, is so important for us as we do life together with each other and with Jesus. Because as we celebrate the good stuff, we encourage each other. We lift each other up and we point others in church and in the rest of life, we point others to Jesus. And that's the point, isn't it? Because it's all about Jesus, not us. All about Jesus. So sharing honestly, celebrating the good stuff and running through it all is our spirit-filled praying. In verse 19, Paul says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened will turn out for my deliverance. Through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus. We need to pray We need to do that together, for each other, with each other, out loud, quietly. Because, and I know you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway, every single prayer always counts. And so now, try not to roll your eyes as I say this, but I do some work with a football team. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before. Um, But, stick with me. As a general rule, they don't know Jesus. And I am so unbelievably grateful for people here who pray for players and staff. They don't even know just because they are people I really care about. And I've most definitely seen answers to those prayers. And... I don't know whether there are answers or not, or obvious answers or not. It's like, my people are your people. And I really hope that works both ways, that your people are my people. Because it's our mission. I'm rubbish at praying. So mostly that is why I ask other people to pray for my stuff. But this is the deal. Your people are my people, you know, same way. And that's just one example from me. And I hope that you've got uh, some of your own that come to mind. Like where other people, as part of church family or from other places, have prayed for you, for your stuff, for your people. And it blows apart that individualistic faith that we sometimes have. And it's our thing. Sharing and following Jesus is our thing. So, like that's just some practical stuff to end with. Sharing honestly, celebrating the good stuff, and spirit-filled praying. Paul's mission is our mission. No question mark. And I just want to encourage you to like, think about this stuff. Like, talk about it with people you know. Um, just like throwing some thoughts out there and don't absorb it without thinking, question it, ask me questions. Um, Yeah, let's 
talk about this stuff because we've got to wrestle with it ourselves. If we're going to be living this out together, like, yeah, we've got to work it out with each other. Uh, So we're going to finish um, by reading verses uh, 27 to 28. Again, same chapter in Philippians. And we're going to go for the message version again. And uh, this is what I'm going to pray for us. And I want to pray it over us as Ebby Church together. So if you're able to, um, can I invite you to stand and... uh, Yeah, I'm going to read these verses and I'm going to pray for us. So Paul writes in his letter, Stand united, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the message, the good news, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. Stand united. United, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the message, the good news, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. And Jesus, we stand uh, together. We stand before you now as a small expression of, yeah, your church. And yeah, Jesus, it continues to blow our minds that uh, you choose to use us to be you, to say your stuff, to do your stuff in this world today. And yeah, God, I want to thank you for the people that you have put in and around our lives. Thank you for those people we know and love who don't know you yet, Jesus. Thank you that you love them way more than we do. You want them to encounter you, Jesus, way more than we do. So yeah, God, we lift those people to you now. And yeah, Jesus, will you show us, will you keep teaching us how we do this thing of following you and sharing you together? Yeah, will you blow apart our individualistic kind of thing that we can sometimes have going on with life and faith? Yeah, will you teach us and show us how to do this together? Not so we feel great about ourselves, but for you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Will you help us to keep our eyes on you? Yeah, for the sake of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.